Real quickly, this episode is more violent than usual, so this is a bit of a disclaimer. I've posted details in the discussion post on the site, so you can decide if you want your children to listen to it. This week, on the Myths and Legends podcast, we're finishing the epic Viking saga of Arrow Odd. The first Kraken ever will be released, and we'll meet probably the worst superhero ever. Barkman. He's a man covered in bark. Then, on the Creature of the Week, it's an evil demon hanging out in a dark basement who will torture you with too much beer and cake. This is the Myths and Legends podcast, episode 31B, Face Off. This is a podcast where I tell stories from folklore. Some are incredibly popular stories you think you know, but with surprising origins. Others are stories you might not have heard, but really should. Previously on the podcast, we met Arrow Odd. He was a Viking, and on his very first raid, he stole some sacred artifacts and cursed a land to destruction and storms. The people of that land banded together to create the perfect warrior, a troll man named Ogmund who was raised to hate Odd and hunt him across the world. He caught up with Odd, destroyed half of his troops, and killed his sworn brother, a man named Thord. He also stole some rings off of Thord's corpse. Odd then had misfortune and wandered alone. He went to Jotunheim, the land of the giants, and had a son who would come to find him in ten years. Odd then learned that Ogman's mother, an ogress, was terrorizing England, he sailed with his new Viking crew to England, and Ogman's mother attacked their boats. Odd rushed the ogress, who barreled out of the trees. She was a woman down to the stomach, but then things got weird. Setting aside her large, hawk-like talons, she had thick bear-like legs and a wide T-Rex tail. She locked eyes on Odd and charged him. Odd stopped where he was and strung one of his magic arrows. He aimed at her eye and fired. She was fast, though, and put up her hand to block the arrow. Like the giantess in the last episode, that arrow went right through her hand, right through her head, and right back into Odd's quiver. And she just kept on coming. Odd had a moment to get to his knife before she was there, stabbing down on his magical shirt with her claws. Like nearly everyone who tried to stab his magic shirt, she was dismayed, and decided to try to beat him with her tail. She swung the tail around, but Ob was ready. He ducked below the tail, but held his razor-sharp knife up in his place, turning the thick tail into a thick, bloody stump. In extreme pain and fearful of the buckets of blood pouring out on the sand, the ogress turned to run. Og calmly stood up, readied another arrow, and shot her in the back as she fled. She skidded to a stop, dead, before she reached the tree line. Odd turned around. Did anyone else see that? But he was surprised to see a half-giant towering over his Vikings. You, the half-giant said. You're Odd who went to Permia. Yes, Odd said, with a waning amount of pride as the years passed and the repercussions from that trip echoed more painfully in his life. You're my father, then, the half-giant said. This is disappointing. Whoa, 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 disappointing? See that dead ogress there? You know what? Never mind. Who's your mother? Odd learned that he was, in fact, the son that Odd fathered when he was in Jotunheim, 
The boy set off looking for his famed father the day he turned ten. And yes, this large half-giant was just ten years old. He was disappointed, too. He had grown up hearing stories of his father, of Permia, and how he was the most powerful Viking on the seas, and his many exploits that your podcaster will list on the website because they are far too varied and nonsensical to talk about here. Now, though, the half-giant noticed Vignir looked at this has-been standing before him with his sad little crew. The man behind the legend was a disappointment, and he was surrounded by Vikings that seemed to be as brave as mice. Odd offered this obviously powerful young man a spot on his crew, and though he towered over his father and thought it would be a bit disgraceful to join the crew, he would do it. Vignir, Odd's son, asked him where they would be going, and Odd told him that they were going after Ogmund. They had just killed his mother, and it was time Odd finished what he started all those years ago in Permia, and his ten-year-old giant son laughed in his face. He told Odd that Odd would die if he did. Ogman was even known in Jotunheim now. He was the greatest monster in the Northern Hemisphere. Odd said that it was okay if Vignir was scared to fight Ogmund. The little boy could leave if he wanted to. But Odd would be sailing to the wastelands west of Greenland, where he learned that Ogman was waiting. Vignir narrowed his eyes. He said that he wasn't any coward, and he would be going. Out on the open ocean, Vignir was wary. Odd had sailed out here before, but looking up ahead, Odd didn't remember the two pointed rocks out in the middle of the ocean in front of him. They were about six times the size of a ship and seemed to have water flowing off of them. Vignir ordered the men onward, and they rowed in between the rocks. Odd didn't think much of it, but Vignir was visibly nervous. The boy was fidgeting and wouldn't sit still, but after a few more hours of sailing, he calmed down. The group soon saw an island. The men wanted to go ashore. They had been sailing for days, but Vignir refused. Odd, annoyed that his son was giving orders on his ship, said, no, go ashore. Don't listen to this 10-year-old. As some of the men took the rowboat to shore, Vignir ordered the main ship back. When Odd had tried to jump in, Vignir just ignored him. He would have fought his son about it, if not for what happened next. Just up ahead... As soon as all the men went on the island, vines wrapped around their legs, pulling them to the ground, and then the island began sinking. It would have been an amazing sight, if not for what happened behind the ship. The seas immediately began to get choppy as other pointed rocks began to rise from the sea, only it wasn't just rocks. Underneath them was the fleshy underbelly of a living creature. They weren't rocks at all, they were teeth of a behemoth sea monster. Odd yelled out to start rowing away from it, and that's the only thing that saved their lives. The jaws alone were miles tall, and they snapped up in the sky before the creature started coming back down. They had made it just far enough away not to be sucked under by the creature when he went back below the sea. Wait, was that there the whole time? Odd said, and Vignir, looking down at him, said that he was obviously as clever as he was tall. Both that and the island were sea monsters. The island was known as the Heatherback, and the behemoth in the sea was known as the Sea Reek. It was a gargantuan sea monster that swallowed ships, whales, and everything whole. It came up above the water only once every few days, but when it did, it never stayed on the surface for less than the time of one tide. 
So even though Vignir knew that they were sailing past its jaws, the wind was favorable, and he figured they would make it out in time. And they had, but only just. Jumping out of the story quickly, this is actually the first mention in folklore of what would come to be known as the Kraken. Now, if you've seen either of the Clash of the Titans movies, the one from the 70s or the early 2000s, you might be under the impression that the Kraken is from Greek mythology, but it's actually from Norse mythology, and just stolen for those movies. It's not in the original Legend of Perseus, the story that those movies are loosely based off of. It lived in the Atlantic off the coast of Greenland. It's described in places as a squid, crab, or whale. But the story of Arrow Odd is the first mention of it ever. Back to the story. Vignir told them that they had to press on westward to get out of the open ocean before the kraken resurfaced. Odd was confused. It was massive. It wouldn't just pop up here again, right? It could cover the whole world for food. It's not like it's trying to get our ships, right? Right? As it turns out, Ogman was the very first person in folklore to release the kraken. His magic was now so powerful that he could control the biggest creatures of the deep and send them after Odd. Vignir reiterated, they had to get out of the open ocean. What? Odd said when his son wouldn't stop looking at him mournfully. It's... I just had a feeling that you're going to suffer more from Ogmund than any other man, his son said. Odd shook his head. What did this ten-year-old know? But somewhere, deep down, even though he tried to put the thought out of his head, Odd knew that his son was right. As it turned out, they were growing closer to each other. Vignir was beginning to respect his father, and Odd, his son. They sailed on as fast as they could, until they found land located west of Greenland. It's actually in North America. It's an island called Baffin Island in modern-day Canada. They sailed up the fjord until they saw a fortress looming in the distance. Odd would know the man standing on the wall anywhere. It was Ogmund. They docked, and just Odd and Vignir walked up to the fortress. The large doors opened, and Ogmund walked out. Odd sneered at him. He hated him. He hadn't seen him since the troll killed his sworn brother, Thord, in cold blood. But Ogmund wasn't what he expected. The troll man was calm and melancholy. He looked sadly at Odd and his son. And before Odd could spit insults and threats at him, the troll spoke. You and I, we need to stop this. You're the only one that could kill me, and I will bring you unimaginable pain. You destroyed my homeland and killed my mother, and I destroyed your legacy and killed your sworn brother. We have both only lost through this feud. We need to be reconciled. Reconciled, Odd said, and he needed less than a moment to consider the proposition. You killed Thord. No, there will be no reconciling, Ogman sighed, then took a deep breath and paused for several moments. The sounds of waves crashing against the cliffs filled the silence. Then, reluctantly, Ogman spoke very well. We'll fight you, but, and he motioned to the Vikings by the boats, it's only you and your half-giant son, and me and my seven trolls. None of them, he pointed to the Vikings. If you don't agree, 
I'll take two steps backwards and enter the stronghold, and you'll spend all of your 300 years trying to get in. Odd stroked his beard. So shall it be. I'll fight you, Ogmund, and my son will fight your companions. So shall it not be, Vignir said. I'm fighting Ogmund. He turned to his father. You called me a coward when I talked to fighting him. I'll prove how wrong you were. It's done, Ogmund said, and his seven lesser trolls filtered out of the fortress. Og was about to tell them to wait, that his son wasn't fighting Ogmund, but Ogmund drew his sword in a flash and attacked Vignir. Only Vignir, the ten-year-old giant, was faster. Vignir blocked one blow, then the next, and the next. He parried and pressed and attacked himself, and he backed Ogmund up against the wall. Then the troll kicked him back and bolted. He sprinted off along the cliffs, and Vignir looked at his father, smirked, and sprinted off after Ogmund. Odd smiled. He was proud of his boy. Odd looked at the seven other trolls. He was too close for arrows. It would have to be done up close. He had learned from the stories that had trickled across the world about Ogmund and his men over the years. None of them had been killed, but he heard of one being wounded. Once, by a woman who had beaten him badly with a club and escaped. Odd guessed that they couldn't be hurt by iron, so he brought a club today. As it turns out, he was right. When they weren't fighting an opponent with iron weapons, they were like normal men. And, as we all know, Odd was very good at killing normal men. Soon, Ogman's whole troop was dead around him. He looked up when he heard the sound of metal clashing on the cliffs. He took off in a jog toward his son fighting Ogmund. He could see Vignir pressing Ogmund farther and farther back toward the cliff. The troll was obviously wounded, and Og could almost hear the bones in Ogmund's chest crunch when Vignir kicked him to the ground. Ogmund strained to get up, but then collapsed back down. They had the troll. It was over. Vignir heard his father run up. Told you, he said with a smile and then looked away from Ogmund, but only for an instant. But an instant was all he needed. Seeing his opening, and knowing that doing nothing would mean his death, Ogmund flew up to the boy's throat, and tore it out with his claw-like hands. Odd looked on in horror, as confusion, then pain, then serenity washed over the face of his ten-year-old son, as the boy died before his eyes. Odd shook his head in disbelief. This couldn't be happening. Ogman had just been on the ground. It was over. Og clenched his jaw in rage as Ogman looked up at him and shrugged. The troll was laboring to breathe. Vignir had shattered several of his ribs. Odd, filled with rage, walked toward Ogmund. The troll had nowhere to go. Besides, he was wounded. He winced in pain at each step. Odd gripped his club as he walked up to the troll who is now on the edge of the cliff. You've killed my friends, Ogman said in only a whisper, but I've given you a blow that you'll never recover from. We should have reconciled. With that, Ogman put out his arms and started dropping backwards off the cliff. Odd dove, scraping himself on the rocks as he lunged toward the end. But the last thing Odd saw was the troll smirking as he fell backwards into the sky. Odd watched Ogman tumble into the water, his black cloak fluttering in the wind, toward the waves and the rocks below. 
the troll hit the surface with a crack. Odd watched the water for five minutes, then ten, then thirty. Ogman never came back up. Content that he was gone, Og picked up the body of his son and carried him back to the ships. He took the body back to Norway and buried him there, not wanting to leave him on the other side of the world. Life continued on for Odd, and he kept an ear out for Ogmund. But the troll didn't resurface, literally or figuratively. A year or two later, Odd felt confident that Ogman was dead, and so he started to return to the world, bit by bit. He resumed raiding and became close with his fellow Viking leaders, especially one named Gardar. They raided, and it almost felt like the old days with Osmond, Yalmar, and Thord. Odd was almost happy. Until one day, when Gardar walked into Odd's quarters with a grim look on his face, the troll the one that Odd always talked about, was alive. Ogman had survived what happened out west, and he was now living in the east. There was a giant king, and Ogmund had somehow married his daughter. They had a son together, and Ogmund was living there quietly, as a prince. Gardar told Odd just to leave it. This blood feud was only leaving Odd and Ogmund both worse off, and Ogmund had offered terms the last time that Odd rejected, and look what had happened. Ogmund was moving on with his life. Odd should do the same. Besides, Ogmund's new wife was a giant. This wouldn't end well for Odd. Odd said no. It wasn't fair that Ogmund got to go on with his life with a family when the troll had killed Odd's son. Gardar looked at him. Don't you, like, have a wife and daughter in Ireland that you abandoned? Are we just not going to talk about them, or... Nope. Okay. Odd wouldn't listen though, and soon they were sailing east with all of their available Vikings to find the kingdom where Ogmund was hiding. Ogmund, much like King Ryans from the Arthurian legend, demanded a tribute from the kings underneath him. He demanded that they send their beards, and he too knitted them into a cloak that, let's face it, you're never going to be able to really clean. I've done as much research as I know how to do on the concept of a cloak of beards in folklore, and I've come back with nothing. So. If you know anything about this, I know some people in academia listen to this, please let me know. Anyway, Odd, his new swarm brother that totally won't just die in a moment, and all of their Vikings sail into the harbor of Ogmund's kingdom. The whole town stopped to see five Viking ships sailing into port as Odd totally missed the man sitting out there in the harbor, fishing, with a motley, scraggly cloak pulled over his head. We'll see if Odd notices that strangely dressed troll right in front of him, and just how dangerous a family full of giants can be, right after this. This episode is brought to you by Loot Crate. Loot Crate is a monthly subscription box service for cool geek and gamer items, and pop culture gear. It's less than $20 a month, and you get 4-8 to eight things that include apparel, collectibles, unique one-of-a-kind items, and even licensed things, from franchises like Star Wars, Marvel, The Legend of Zelda, and Doctor Who. For example, I looked at some of their past crates, and they actually had a sonic screwdriver spoon, which I wouldn't even be able to eat breakfast without making the sound and checking the imaginary readouts. Loot Crate is more than just a subscription service. It's an entire community of fans that share their experience with each other around the unboxing of each month's crate. And Loot Crate guarantees $40 in value in each crate, and sometimes it's a lot more. Every month there's a different theme, 
and everything is curated around that theme. It's May, so that means there's a new box coming out. The onslaught of big summer blockbusters makes this the perfect time to celebrate some of pop culture's unstoppable, unrelenting, and unbeatable characters and things. In the May box, there's something you can carry, something for your kitchen, and a cool figure to go with a monthly t-shirt and pin. With Marvel items, plus Warcraft and Dragon Ball Z, this crate is more overpowered than a 10-year-old half-giant fighting a troll. You only have until May 19th, at 9pm Pacific, to subscribe and receive this month's crate. And when the cutoff happens, that's it. It's over. So go to lootcrate.com legends and enter code legends to save $3 on your new subscription today. Once again, that's lootcrate.com legends. Offer code legends. Underneath the cloak of beards, Ogmund was frozen in place. He knew Odd had found him, and Ogmund still had a limp from fighting the man's son and plummeting into the sea. Ogmund knew that he could only be assured of victory if he could get to his own warriors. Unfortunately, the soft summer wind blew Ogmund's cloak at precisely the wrong moment, revealing his tuft of black hair. Odd was scanning the horizon and saw it. He smiled a wide, wolfish smile. They had him. He ordered his Vikings to row after Ogmund. Ogmund yelled toward shore to warn his new budding family to run. The Vikings he had warned them about, they were here. But his family didn't run. Remember, they were giants. And so Ogmund's father-in-law, Ogmund's wife, and 50 of their giant family members came down to the docks. There was commotion as the peasants were clearing the area, and Gardar, Odd's newest sworn brother, looked at the determined Odd nervously. Odd was still confident that they now, finally, had Ogmund, and he ordered the Vikings off the boat, and watched in dismay when 15 of them were mowed down instantly by one swipe from one giant. Odd watched on angrily, though, at Ogmund rowing away now past the line of giants. Odd rushed off their ship. Ogmund wouldn't get away again, and Gardar, his sworn brother, followed. Their Vikings died in massive numbers, and a few of the giants fell. Odd and Gardar fought Ogmund's giant father-in-law. They fought side by side, and Odd ducked a blow from the giant that almost took off his head, but he heard a sickening crunch to his right. Gardar hadn't ducked. He wrapped her on the club and then became a bloody human tumbleweed, skidding across the water before coming to rest in a jagged little pile. Odd gritted his teeth in rage and splashed back toward his ship. The giant father-in-law laughed at the scared little Viking, retreating. He stopped laughing when one of Odd's magic arrows exploded out his back. He dropped, face down in the harbor, with the circle of his own blood expanding around him in the water. The giants froze for an instant when they saw their strongest fall, looked at Odd holding the bow, and then ran for him. Odd smiled, because out front, he saw the giantess that his men informed him was Ogman's new wife. As he did it, Odd only wished Ogman was around to see the arrow cut diagonally through her body, entering just above the waist and exiting below the armpit. It was bloody and horrific, but the woman kept swatting Vikings out of her way, killing five more as she rushed Odd. 
Og quickly let another arrow fly, and this one, that went in her stomach and exited out her back, stopped her in the water. She, too, was dead. The other giants, seeing her drop, stopped fighting and retreated back toward the town. Odd yelled after them, and the Vikings gave chase, treating themselves to some light raiding as well. There was only one person that Odd was after, and, amidst the chaos, Odd saw Ogman standing there on the shore, looking at the fallen body of his wife. Ogman looked up at Odd, and then ran away as fast as he could. Odd jumped from the ship, splashed down through the water, and gave chase. Odd was pushing peasants and fellow Vikings out of his way. He had Ogmund on the run. After Thord, Vignir, and countless Vikings, Odd would finally kill this troll. Odd skidded around a corner. He was gaining on the troll as the smoke from the city rose in the afternoon sky. Odd's Vikings were pillaging. Soon, the pair was on the other side of the city, in the country, but still near a beach. Odd knew exactly what Ogmund was trying to do. Trolls, if they got near an open patch of dirt, could sink down in it and travel through the earth. If Ogmund was able to reach the sand, he would get away again. Odd was almost there. He almost had Ogmund. Ogmund wasn't 30 feet from the beach when he thought his cloak might be slowing him down, so he unclasped it. This ever so slight hesitation gave Odd the chance he needed to dive at Ogmund and tackle him right before he was able to reach the sand. Ogmund wouldn't give up though, and he grappled with Odd bitterly until Odd finally subdued the troll. Odd felt a primal rage. He would kill Ogmund here. Odd had jettisoned his club and knife on the way. It didn't matter though. Ogman's magic only enchanted him so that weapons couldn't hurt him. It didn't say anything about fists. He began to beat Ogman mercilessly, wordlessly, until Ogman's face was somehow uglier than it had been before. Odd was so enraptured with his victory, however, that he didn't notice Ogman begin to sink. In their grappling, Ogman had found his way to the sand, and he was escaping. Odd noticed when he tried to pull Ogmund up to go drown him in the ocean, but he couldn't. The troll was already halfway in the sand with a twisted smile on his bloody, mangled face. Ogmund, sinking in the sand, knew he would escape, though very badly beaten, and he wanted to relish the look on Odd's face, so he sank into the sand feet first. He didn't realize what a huge mistake this was until it was far too late. Odd was frantic and enraged. This couldn't be happening. He couldn't be getting away again. The Viking reached out at one of the things still visible. Ogman's face. More specifically, his beard. When he realized what was happening, Ogman wanted to stop sinking. He really did. But his escape was too far along, and he would be taken under. Odd had a handful of the troll's beard. However and pulled at it, trying to wrench Ogmund up from the ground. Ogmund wouldn't come up, but his beard did, along with the skin on his chin, cheeks, around the eyes, and the forehead, up to the tuft of black hair on his head. The troll screamed in unimaginable pain when, as he slipped under the earth to escape the Viking, Odd tore his face off 
peeling skin from bone and sinew, taking half of Ogman's tuft of hair with it. The sand muffled Ogman's screams as he traveled beneath it, and the screams were gradually replaced by the crashing waves. Odd breathed heavily and held the bloody skin and hair that used to be Ogman's face. Pounding his fists on the sand, he screamed out in rage. The troll had gotten away again. The bark man slowly exhaled and let the arrow fly. Off in the distance, he saw the arrow catch a bird in the sky. He put his bow away and started the long walk through the forest to go get his kill. He found the bird and returned to his small cabin. He stirred up the coals, rousing the banked fire, and put the wood on. He plucked and dressed the bird, cooked it, and ate dinner alone, as the barkman had done for almost 30 years now. He sat back and watched the sunset through his breath, visible in the cool night air. He stopped and watched the whole sunset on nights when it was visible. It was one of the few pleasures he had left in life. The barkman walked inside as night fell, and he laid down. He piled on his animal skin blankets and tried to go to sleep, but like every night, sleep eluded him. The barkman became something of a local legend to the nearby villages around the time that Arrow Odd disappeared alongside Ogmund that day on the beach. Odd's Vikings came to the beach, but they saw the tide washing away blood on the sand. When days, then weeks passed, and neither Odd nor Ogmund were seen, they assumed the adversaries had killed one another, and the sea had taken both their bodies. The Vikings found a new leader, and continued on their raids. As it turns out, Odd had slipped away before his men arrived at the beach, and he quickly ditched all but three precious arrows, his magical shirt from his wife in Ireland, and a small pack. He bartered for clothes from peasants and slipped quietly into the forests of northern Russia. It was obvious, from his shirt alone, that he was a man of means, and he didn't want his reputation to follow him. He wanted the man known as Odd, the legendary Viking, to have died there on the beach. He had disappeared before, but that had only led to more destruction when he had returned. This time, it would have to be for good. He took an axe and cut himself a bark shirt pants, and hat. I did some research on this and found that he didn't just take the hard bark and craft himself a primitive Iron Man suit. Bark clothing was actually pretty common and consisted of the fibrous, soft bark that was right up against the tree. It was almost like cloth. It was a fairly clever solution. His fairly unoriginal name of the Bark Man was not super clever. It worked though. He went from the last farm he saw and walked south for three days into the heart of what is now modern day Eastern Europe. Content that no one would find him so far from home, he built himself a cabin and he lived there for 30 years. He didn't need more people dying because of his fight with Ogmund. The bark man stared at the ceiling of his hut and then he got up. He went to the bag in the corner and brought what looked like a withered bit of animal skin with a tuft of black hair attached to it out of the bag. He walked outside and looked at it in the light of the moon. Odd had kept the face that he had torn from Ogmund. Even after all these years, he would take it out occasionally when he couldn't sleep. He knew Ogmund had to be out there, somewhere, but they couldn't seem to be able to kill each other. 
and Odd wouldn't ever reconcile with the troll. Too much had happened. Arrow Odd was destined to live 300 years? Well, Odd would live 300 years. Here, in the forest, alone. He was tired of seeing men mowed down by giants, or the people he cared about flung like bloody ragdolls across the surf, or with spears in their stomachs, or with their throats torn out. He stuffed the face back into the bag and went inside where sleep continued to elude him. More years passed, and though the Barkman had vowed never to go back to civilization, civilization came to him. He noticed farms popping up just two days out from his hut, then one day out, then mere hours away. Soon, the Barkman had neighbors. They were friendly, and at first it was strange to talk to people, but he found that he enjoyed their company. He became well-known in the village that popped up, but only as the Barkman. He was surprised to learn from travelers through the area that the troll known as Ogmund, the feared sorcerer, was rumored to have been killed with Arrow Odd, as no one had seen either of them for nearly 100 years. The Barkman had a small amount of hope. Maybe Ogmund had died somewhere from blood loss, cold and alone, underneath the ground. Over the next few years, the Barkman started venturing out from his hut, traveling further and further, visiting with nearby farmers. He began to learn of the outside world again, nearly 120 years since he had left it. A lot had changed, he had learned that the Vikings had mainly settled down in Britain, Ireland, Russia, Gaul, and basically everywhere. The times when Arrow Odd wandered the seas fighting monsters existed only as a time of wonder and horror. Better yet, Odd learned that Ogmund hadn't resurfaced in all this time. Odd was hopeful that it might finally be over, that his greatest foe was dead. He packed a satchel with what meager belongings he had and went to his neighbors nearby. Even the farmers that had moved there decades ago were growing old and dying off. The Barkman had become friends with their aging children, but being unable to live one more year in the cabin or watch another generation of friends come and go like the tide, he decided to seek out a king. He would try and join his household as a peasant while he learned of the world and what was happening in his homeland. And as a quick aside, there's no explanation as to why Og can live a very long time. It's magic. Let's just not worry about it. The king was wary of letting this vagabond join his court. The bark man was in a rough bark cloak that he always kept wrapped tightly around his shirt, and he stunk like a dead animal after living so long in the forest. But the king saw that this stranger might know a thing or two about hunting. He took the bark man into his household for the winter as his servant to the huntsman. He was directed to a table that night among the king's servants between the freedmen and the slaves. He had been assigned to two fairly simple men named Ingyald and Otter. The Barkman shot game for them secretly, and for them, he gained respect and approval of the king's court. The Barkman decided to stay in the king's court for a while. He kept the name of the Barkman because even though he was fairly certain that Ogmund had perished beneath the sand, fear still welled up within him. He felt that the name of Arrow Odd was a cursed one, that he would summon the horrible troll, and that Ogmund would take everything he held dear. He remained the simple, unassuming Barkman. He lived in the employ of the king and the huntsman. He would do his job, make small talk with his employers, then go to bed as everyone was getting together to drink in the evenings. He was living 
but he didn't feel alive. I would imagine he felt utterly alone in the world. His foster parents, as well as his biological parents, were long, long dead. And even though he had many brothers, sworn, foster, and by blood, all of them had met with violent ends lifetimes ago. He was a man who had lived past his time. And now, he was just waiting to die. Of course, life had other plans for Arrow Odd. When he went to bed early, the huntsman, Ingyald and Otter, would stay up drinking with the king's warriors. They loved the Barkman, and thought the world of him. They loved him so much that, when they got a bit too drunk, they bet the king's best warriors that he could beat them in a shooting contest. The warriors took a deep swig of their ale. They would love to take some money from the drunk, foolish huntsman. Sure, let's have a contest tomorrow. It should come as no surprise that Odd, the Barkman, did very well. So well that the huntsman put him up secretly for two more contests on the following nights. Betting more money. The second contest was a swimming contest, which he won. And the third was a drinking contest. Odd's head was pounding. The sun was starting to come over the bottom of the window and illuminate the drinking horns strewn throughout the long hall. Odd blinked awake and could see the king's two warriors still asleep on the table. He had to squint because, wow, when did the sun get so bright? He was too old to be drinking this much, but at least he had won the contest. With the squinting and wincing, he almost missed the king, the only other person there, waiting for him to awaken. Your arrow odd, the legendary hero, the king said. I'm the bark man. Is that so? said the king. Then where's the bark shirt that you never take off? Odd looked down and saw the magnificent, ornate shirt that his wife in Ireland had made him a long, long time ago. I'll say it again, the king said. You are arrow odd. And what makes you think that? Odd said. Well, last night, after you won the drinking contest, you composed and yelled a poem of all of Arrow Odd's exploits before yelling, I'm Arrow Odd, and going to sleep on the table. Oh, Odd said. Yeah, the king said. Okay, I'm Arrow Odd. Odd and the king talked for a long while after that, and the king walked Odd out from the longhouse to a crowd of people. Odd, his head pounding, felt his stomach churning both with anxiety and an extreme hangover. The first few months after his name was revealed, Odd didn't go anywhere unarmed. He felt like the troll could come at any moment. He relaxed a bit when no troll came for him. He married the king's daughter and started to find some small bit of peace, though he was constantly worried that the monster would come and snatch it away. But Ogman didn't come. Years passed. The aging king died, and Odd took his place, with his wife as queen. He didn't pillage or start unprovoked wars or anything, but earnestly tried to rule the kingdom he inherited. The age of Vikings had passed, and he had to learn to live in this new world. One day, he was sitting on his throne, receiving messages from far-off kings, when one from the kingdom of Novgorod, in modern-day Ukraine, came forward. The king there, Quilanus, wanted to become allies. Odd cocked his head. Quilanus. 
Odd had never heard of him. The messenger shrugged. That was all the messenger said. Odd brushed it off and continued on with his day. Later that evening, he asked one of his advisors who this Kualanis of Novgorod was, which, if there's a name right for a fantasy novel, that is it. The advisor said he didn't know. No one knew. No one had even seen his face. He only wore a mask. Wait, a mask? Odd said. He felt a chill begin to creep up his back. Odd became serious. Well, what do we know about this Quilanus? Well, he came to power just a few years after you, but it's rumored that he got there by dark means. Sorcery, murder, and the like. Like I said, it's all hearsay. No one knows anything about him for certain. A faceless king who came to power just as Odd's name was being spread throughout the land. Odd's hands began to shake. It was his nightmare, resurgent. It was Ogmund. It might be days, weeks, or years, but as long as Ogmund continued to exist, Odd and his new family would never know peace. There was only one thing he could do. He assembled his knights and marched east. King Quilanus had spent three years mustering his forces. So when they met outside of Quilanus' castle, with its thick stone walls and its banners flowing in the wind, he was ready. I don't know why you brought so many warriors, Quilanus said, his voice hissing through his mask. I only wanted to ask you to a feast. There's only one problem, Odd said, and he took a deep breath. I don't know who you are. Odd heard the sharp exhale of a laugh hit the inside of the mask. Without hesitating, Quilanus pulled the mask up, revealing his face. Can you guess who this ugly head belongs to? Waves of horror and rage washed over Odd as he recognized Ogmund, but just barely. Thin, pale, strained skin had grown over the bones, cartilage, and muscle that had been there the last time Odd had seen him sinking into the sand. Odd gripped his weapon. No, there will be no peace on earth as long as Ogmund occupied a place on it. Odd thought that he never should have come out of hiding. Now, there would just be more death at Ogmund's hand. Their armies were matched though. Maybe, just maybe, this time could be it. It wasn't though. Their armies clashed, but like the summer beaches of Norway, the windswept cliffs of Canada, and the sleepy island town in Finland, it only brought destruction for both Odd and Ogmund. As it turns out, Ogmund's half-son had survived Odd's Vikings all those years ago, but he didn't survive Odd. Ogmund had found his son, orphaned by Odd when he killed the boy's mother and wounded his father. The half-giant, named Svart, came to live with his father in Novgorod, and gleefully went to battle against the man who had destroyed his family. He cut Odd's arrows and snapped them, and then Odd remembered fighting the troll's friends all those years ago, and he pushed his way through the fighting into the forest where he cut a club from the tree. He ran out, jumped up, and caught the giant underneath the chin. The giant staggered backwards and fell. Odd, though an old legendary Viking warrior, 
was still a legendary Viking warrior. He clubbed Ogmund's son to death right there on the battlefield. Ogmund saw it and howled in rage, and his knights pressed odds. Ogmund's power in the dark arts had grown in the intervening years, and he could now shoot arrows from his fingers. One of Odd's knights dropped from a horse every time Ogmund merely pointed at them. Odd looked up and saw Ogmund retreating back into his castle with just 60 men. Ogmund was covering the retreat, shooting arrows from his fingers. I would imagine it was more like a scarred, dark wizard mowing down knights with no small degree of showmanship. But I like to picture it as Ogmund going pew pew pew, shooting arrows and making little finger guns. Odd yelled back to his knights to bring up the siege engines, but looked back to only see a field full of corpses. His army, almost everyone he had brought from his kingdom in Greece, yeah, he was a king in Greece, had been killed. Only a few wounded knights and crossbowmen remained, not enough to mount a siege, barely enough to get back to Greece safely. He looked up at the wall, expecting to see a line of crossbowmen, but saw only Ogmund and he wasn't even looking at Odd, but at the mangled remains of his son. He lowered his mask, turned, and walked down from the wall, out of view. Odd couldn't break their city with so small a force, and when he got back to Greece, he became like a man possessed. But he couldn't go after Ogmund now. He might not even be able to keep his kingdom safe from barbarians or rival kings, let alone launch an attack against a wizard. Still, something had to be done, his greatest foe was still alive and out there. Then, one day, a messenger came from Novgorod, Ogmund's kingdom. It was said he was shrouded, and no one was able to see his face, but he left one small package for the king, and left without a word. Unwrapping the gift, Odd was concerned that it was a trap of some sort, but curiosity won out, and he opened it. Gold? Why would Ogmund send him gold? Then... Odd swallowed hard. He recognized this gold, and he ordered everyone to leave the room. It wasn't just any gold. They were rings. The rings Ogmund had taken off of Thord's body after he killed him, right after their first meeting in Norway. Odd broke down in tears. It all came flooding back to him. The years on the water, as conquerors of the world with his friends and brothers. The sounds of the waves, as the ships rocked back and forth. The years with Osmond, Yalmar, and Thord. The times when he didn't just live, but he felt alive. There was a note with the rings. It said, simply, We are all that remain. Then it dawned on Odd. The times he had spent on the water with his friends. That was over 250 years ago. They had passed in the legend. Not only them, though, but the Viking Age was a memory, quickly warping into myths of Odin shoving swords in trees and kings killing dragons with hairy, frozen pants. Odd hated Ogmund, but, strangely enough, one can imagine he felt a strange camaraderie with them. They were artifacts in a world that had left them behind. All the people that Odd had fought to avenge were now known only to him. And Permia, the land Ogmund had been raised for, had been absorbed by king after king. The giants, ogres, trolls, and dwarves were gone. No one now even remembered the storms, the feasts, or even Ogmund's name. 
Odd's shoulders slumped, and he thought about Ogman's words. We are all that remain. Odd thought about the years he spent in the forest, or hiding out as the ridiculous Barkman, or how, if he had just forgiven Ogmund in Canada, he would have spent his 300 years surrounded by his children and grandchildren, not as a stranger in a strange land, filled with regret. They had both wasted so many years fighting each other. Odd could not change what had happened, but he could change what he did now. He packaged a gift for Ogmund and signed it, simply, a friend, and sent it via messenger to Novgorod. No one could see the look on King Quilanius' face when he opened the gift. It was behind a mask, after all. But they could hear the laughter. It was a deep, resounding, joyful laugh. The attendants didn't get it as they left the room. Quilanius was holding up the gift. It just looked like some withered animal skin. It must have been from a skunk, they thought, because it had a tuft of black hair attached to the top of it. And Quilanius, or Ogmund, continued laughing as he looked at the face he had once worn. As a quick aside, no one really knows what was in the gifts the two kings exchanged. It's just said that they were things of great value. We don't know what the note from Ogmund said either, so I just took a guess and took some liberties with that one. The way I see it, they were both kings with so many riches that for something to have such a profound effect as to bring about forgiveness between the pair, it would need to be emotionally meaningful. Odd was a changed man after that package from Kalanis. Freed from the past, he could now smile at the present. He kept the rings, and he told the stories of Yalmar, Thord, and Osmond. He also stopped wearing his magical shirt so much, and then he stopped wearing it at all. He didn't need to look over his shoulder or constantly be on the defensive. Now, he could live his life. In telling the stories, he wanted to go visit the graves of his friends. He had been too wary before, always thinking Ogmund might be lurking in those waters. Now he didn't need to worry about that. He gathered up his attendants and courtiers, and they rode north. First for Ireland, to visit the grave of Osmond, his foster brother, the boy with which he had grown up. He learned that his daughter had grown up to be a magnificent woman and a queen, and that generations of proud people now carried her name. He left Ireland and went to Scandinavia, to Norway, and saw the graves first of Yalmar, and then the place where Thord had died. There... Standing on the beach and listening to the waves, he retraced his footsteps back into the forest, where he had found Thord. He rested the man's rings by the tree. He left and went to his ancestral home, and the king, the sixth son of whoever of his biological brother, didn't matter. Odd was cordial, but he was never close with his actual brother, not like his foster brother, Osmond. Odd thought about Osmond, and of the little island farm where they had grown up. He hadn't seen it since he left with Osmond, barely out of his teenage years. He had almost forgotten about it. When they were leaving, he told his family he needed to make one last stop. Sailing up to the island, Odd was saddened. Not only was no one there, but the place had fallen into disrepair decades ago. 
Now, it was a desolate place. And Odd told his family to stay in the ship, and he took a few guards with him. He was thinking there might be bandits, or worse. But there wasn't. It was completely abandoned. He found the ruins of the house in which he was raised, and he saw the view looking out on the ocean. He remembered running out and swimming with Osmond. This place was filled with memories for him. He walked along the paths of the island, seeing the places where he and Osmond practiced archery, milked cows, and tended to the fields. So many years gone, but he was happy to be able to see this again. He walked to the farthest spot on the island and was confused as to why he remembered it. And then he chuckled. The sorceress. The reason he had left in the first place. This was the spot where he and Osmond had buried Faxi. Odd still hated witches. This one had tricked him into killing a horse he had raised from birth. Oh well. It was all in the past, Odd thought. He turned to leave, but something caught his eye. There, in the stones, was a skull. Odd smiled and walked over to it. He guessed that it was the skull of his favorite horse, Faxi. He squatted down. It's too late now, he said, talking to the skull. But I'm sorry, Faxi. He reached out an arm to stroke the skull. But he didn't see the viper that was now living in it. He jumped back, but it was too late, and it shot from the skull, biting him in the leg. Odd tore the snake from him and flung him off into the woods. He ran to his men, but he collapsed, and they found him on the road back. They looked at his swollen, purple legs. As they dragged him to the beach and his family, Odd thought about the prophecy and the old witch. It was all true. Osman had died young, and Odd had lived for 300 years, and Faxi, his favorite horse, had killed him from beyond the grave. There was only one thing left. He needed to be cremated here, in the place of his birth. He asked the men to find a stone coffin in which to cremate their king, and they got to work, making that as quickly as they could. Odd took his young children by his side and began telling the story of his life for future generations. In between vomiting as the poison coursed through his body, he wiped blood from his nose and spat it from his mouth and continued. Soon, the famed 300-year-old Viking legend was too weak to talk, and he sat there in a cold sweat with his family all around him. As he finally faded from consciousness, he was surprised by how peaceful it all was. As he felt them piling logs on the fire below him, and as death slowly came from the legendary Viking king, he wasn't scared. He realized that all of his wanderings, all of his attempts to avoid this fate, had led right to it. There is so much to the story that a brief analysis at the end won't really do it justice, but I can't really just leave it there after such an epic tale. There's little opportunity to apply advice from legendary Viking warriors to our everyday lives. But this story was poignant. Odd made a mistake in the beginning and doomed Permia. A consequence of that mistake followed him. Instead of making peace and reconciling himself with his past, he ran from it and fought it and it destroyed his whole life. It made him lonely, scared, and a shell of a man. 
it wasn't until he finally relented and reconciled himself with Ogmund and his mistake that he was finally able to let go and live. Sometimes you can't escape the mistakes of your past until you seek reconciliation and forgiveness, not even if you travel across the world and wear a suit made of bark. Next week, it's an episode of Tricksters, the first of many, I imagine, and I'll be telling stories of Anansi, Coyote, and, of course, Loki. I want to say thanks to Kelly T, Dan D, Allison J, Meg B, Andrea P, Helen C, Alexander L, Jeremy M, Derek U, and Curtis B for becoming members in March of 2016. You guys are great, and you really do make all of this possible. Thank you so much. And yeah, there's also a membership thing on the site. For less than the price of a goatee shaving template, there are extra episodes and sourceback ebooks that won't make people think you're Bane from The Dark Knight Rises. Really, I linked it in the discussion post. Check it out. Also, check out support.mythpodcast if you're interested in helping out the show. The creatures of this week are the Abbey Lovers and the Buttery Sprites. They are from England. They hang out in basements, and we'll talk about the Abbey Lovers first. They live in the basements of abbeys that have become overindulgent. They are elfish people that lurk in the shadows. If you see a stranger in a red cap, leather apron, and long blue socks beckoning you into the darkness of an old basement, well, the results aren't that bad. He'll just tempt you to gluttony and drunkenness. Of all the horrific things these creatures can do to you, one offering you too much beer and cake almost sounds like a reward. The buttery sprites are called such not because they're buttery, sorry, but because in some places they like to steal butter, and in others they live in the buttery, which is another name for a pantry. They'll steal food from dishonest innkeepers or any food that's been poorly prepared or ill-gotten, which, once again, doesn't seem like that much of a punishment. They'll destroy the evidence of your stolen food, or if you mess up cooking, there'll be a little garbage disposal in your pantry that will get rid of it when no one else wants it. The key to keeping them from eating your food? Draw a cross on it. Now, if only that worked for your coworkers and lunch is stored in the office fridge. That's it for this week. The theme song is by the band Broke for Free, and the Creature of the Week music is by Steve Combs. Links to the music I used are in the show notes, and there will be a discussion post on the site. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you next time. <laughs>